1: podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. Today, we discuss overcoming abuse of all kinds in our lives, such as emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, with life coach and author, Manette Morgan. Now, I've always said in Buddhism, If you want to get into a fifth dimensional multidimensional awareness in whatever reality you reside in at the moment, you must address the dense issues that hold down your personal frequency and learn from them so you don't recreate the same tough life lessons that bring down your frequency. So with that, Manette, welcome to Merkaba Chakras.
2: Thank you for having me, Mon. I appreciate it so much, and I'm so, so happy to be here.
1: Yeah, I um I love your book, and I love the con the topic that that you you discuss. And it's unfortunate um, that you had gone through so much, but because you had gone through so much in your life, when it comes to um, abuse in all these different ways. You know so much, and you can speak from your own personal experience and how you overcome it. So it's not just like um, someone who studies it in school and tries to understand how to help somebody with that, but you actually come from that background. So you know firsthand what many other psychologists study. So, um, you know, before we dig into your book, Finding Your Voice a path to recovery for survivors of abuse. Can you tell us your story for how you even got into this work? Yeah, um,
2: basically, like, uh, like you said, I am a survivor of childhood, emotional, sexual, and physical abuse.
0: Unfortunately,
2: my dad was emotionally abusive, and sometimes physically, not to the extreme, but he was physical at times. And then I was sexually abused by a relative, a cousin, from the time I was eight years old to almost twelve, or almost thirteen till twelve. And that was probably the hardest part by far. Um, of course, you know my household grew up with a lot of dysfunction. Um, my dad was uh, basically an alcoholic. He grew up in his own dysfunctional really horrific home his mother was actually mentally unstable his dad was an alcoholic um then from there as a teenager I went on and started dating my high school sweetheart who was narcissistic gaslighter emotionally abusive married him at 19 had two children and was lucky enough to get out and leave at 24. And since mm. then, I'm happy to say I've never been in another abusive relationship after mm. I was gone for a little while. I had a few things there I had to learn, but spent dove into self-help therapy, all the things it took to get uh, my life back together and break the cycle of abuse in my own life. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From there, I just... Uh, worked hard, had my own companies, did this stuff for years and raised children. And then one day I looked up and I was married to this amazing man who uh, took us on an adventure to live overseas in Singapore. And while I was there, I had family and friends and everyone say, you need to figure out how to help other people. Hmm. You figured something out. You you have a gift you can share. And so that's what started the journey of becoming a certified life coach mm-hmm. and then when i got back to the states i started writing the book because i was teaching workshops and i just couldn't teach them everything yeah <laughs> so that's how it all evolved and then i spent about 5 7 years writing the book so <laughs> that's how we got here from point a to point b yeah
1: yeah well that that's quite a journey and i um you know it's really easy to to look at someone like yourself from the healthy side after going through all of this but um, for many people in these types of relationships right now that were influenced by their childhood like yours was, or are, um, are currently in childhood abuse of some form like you were, um, you know, there are different points in time. And so you can relate to all of them. Um, the thing that I found interesting is of your background, you, your father had the same repeat cycles of um, abuse in various ways. And so he just picked it up, maybe it was unconscious way that he picked it up from his upbringing and then just unconsciously or in a way was conditioned through his upbringing and then carried on that pattern with you. And then with you, you stopped it.
2: Yes, exactly. I'm that That is probably my greatest accomplishment in my life, to be honest with you. Yeah. My children are healthy and happy. They're in their thirties and they have amazing um, partners and they're just normal people. What I would call normal. I mean, there's right. a lot of normal out there, different kinds, but yeah. they didn't have to live what I That That was my biggest fear when I started therapy is when the therapist told me the chances of them being victims of abuse were like
1: 88% or
2: something. And I was just horrified <laughs> to be honest
1: right right that, that's a, that's a statistic if you carried on that pattern onto them
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but you recognize that you didn't want that in your life and you didn't want to carry on that pattern so you stop that pattern let me ask you something uh really quick about your family background so your father was raised in um, this type of household what was he what was his um parents raised in was it much the same type of parenting style
2: I, I have suspicions after talking to my I'm really close to my dad's sister uh-huh. and I really think something happened horrific to my grandmother his mother mm. I think she was probably abused it maybe even sexually abused as a child I have my suspicions mm-hmm. because she turned out to have some major um emotional and mental issues as a young woman and an adult mm-hmm. and um just her overreactions, even like me as a child, staying at her home with my cousin there, which isn't the cousin that abused me mm-hmm. um, at all. She was very protective of me. And it's almost like she knew something that maybe other people didn't know, you know, is the way right. I would put it. And I look back now as an adult and talking to my aunt and kind of can see things differently like we always do later on. But yeah, it was just very dysfunctional. His mother was very unstable. I mean, there was an incident once that she wanted him to go to a certain church. My grandfather wanted to go to a certain church and she just lost it one morning, held a knife to him was going to kill him if the dad took him to the other church. I mean, she was very unstable at times. Mm. And um, can you imagine growing up in that and how it makes you so dysfunctional? And he didn't, my dad has never understood um you know, he doesn't understand empathy very well or compassion, or he's very hands-off. He doesn't hug you. I mean, even to this day, I can talk to him on the phone and say, I love you, dad. And he'll go, okay. He can't say he loves you. He's just very disconnected. And that's from his childhood. And and it's a horrible scar he's carried his whole life.
1: So that, um, that type, that behavior of disconnecting, like you say, is it like a family way of coping. Is it I think it was
2: for them because if you got close, you got hurt. If you trust, mm-hmm. they'll they'll hurt you. Um, so there's this separation and and keep them at arm's length and then you don't get hurt. You know, it's like it's like they say, you know, to truly love mm-hmm. you, you have a full heart and a broken heart. I mean, let's just be honest. It takes both, and that took me a long time to learn as a young woman after I left my abusive relationships to Mm -hmm. love again. Because you learn not to trust, you know, and I had to, you know, relearn those things. Mm -hmm.
1: Right, right. Uh, Well, that you know, that's that's very interesting, and I want the audience members to really understand this as well because I, uh, you know, through my my consultations, we would go through family history because they'll try to my clients will try to figure out. Um, you know, where they got certain belief systems about their limitations, and oftentimes it pick, it's, it's picked up unconsciously by the way their parents raised them, who their parents in one or both parents unconsciously picked up some kind of patterning style, um, in how their parents raised them, and then it goes on, so it's almost like you got your the the person, their parents. The grandparents and the great grandparents—it's almost four generations of continual repeating of bad behavior um, that's been unconsciously conditioned through your environment you grow up in, and then it—and then nobody stopped to look at these patterns and go, "Wait a minute, it's not working. It's not working." It's it's unhealthy, we're continuing to carry on patterning from, and you don't need, you don't need to be a psychologist, you don't need to, you know, all these other things to recognize patterns, okay, so you have, you, you, you suffer from, you, from child abuse, one, one or both parents had abusive parents, their grandparents were, had an abusive style parenting, the great-grandparents had, that was their, you know, so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to notice the behavior patterns, uh, but what it does take is, Um, a very courageous person to recognize I don't like this I don't know the answer but I'm going to find the answer so I can learn to live my life and I don't repeat these unconscious behavior patterns that are not serving me anymore onto the next generation so yeah so and that is extremely hard most people like we just you demonstrated with your um, brief recap of your family history, and I hear this with my clients as well, when they come for consultations uh, for sixth senses or their awakening ascension process, um, that some of the things that are holding them back are these unconscious conditioning or behavior patterns that they picked up um, from their ancestry. And that is one of the hardest things for most people to do. I mean, We're talking four generations of repeating bad habits. That's hard to recognize and stop. And so if this generation right now can um, can, can do that, that abodes for the upward climb for everybody else, for the generations going down the line.
2: It is. You know, there's some kind of study, and I can't remember who did it, but it shows that a lot of times you will see behaviors in great-great-grandchildren of the great-great-grandparents, mm. and they never even met. Yeah. And you will see similarities in their behaviors just because of what you're talking about. It's just passed on generation to generation. So you can pass on these really positive traits and behaviors, or you can pass on these really negative, harmful behaviors that hinder and, and basically crush people sometimes in humans. You know, so yeah we can go either way so which way do you want to take it it was the way I looked at it as a young woman it was like I don't have to be my dad I don't have to be my grandmother or um, I can be me and I can take the best of my parents and share that with my children and and that was part of the reason I left their dad was to get them away from that too you know it's like I don't want them to have that influence in their life I want them to have you know my thing was I can stay here for them, as people would try to tell you where I grew up Mm -hmm. in the South and suffer through this marriage and raise them, or I can leave. And maybe one day I'll show them what real love is, what Mm -hmm. real respect is, what those kind of things are. So that's what I chose.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, that's great because, you know, many people are unconsciously conditioned into destructive behaviors from their family lineage. And, um, you know, you're standing. You're sitting right in front of this beautiful um, picture or mural behind you, and in Buddhism, they have a word in Zen Buddhism called Enso, E N S O, and it it, mm-hmm. it it means the circle around a teacher. Okay, it's a nice clear circle around a teacher. That's the that's the vibrant oral field of a teacher, and in the image behind you um, is the image of a tree with roots and what are we talking about cleaning the roots of bad um, yeah. bad growth and growing a brand new tree that's much healthier and more vibrant exactly and
2: trim those little branches that don't need to be there and you know let it flourish and soak up the sun and the water and and just you know flourish like you said yeah it can be so i'm 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 all about it and in I my book that. i use a tree metaphor Cause I think it's so important and it's the roots, the trunk, the branches, and then the leaves, you know, or the blossoms of a tree that are what our life is. And it's kind of how you grow through this process and recovery after abuse is the way I use it as a metaphor to take you through it so that it's Mm -hmm. much easier. And I try to simplify it. It doesn't have to be so hard in my opinion. No,
1: it doesn't. It It can be simple. Mm-hmm. And it really can. And I just love that. I mean, there's there's really no accidents. Creation doesn't make any accidents. Yeah. We just don't see the greater I bigger agree. picture. And I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't there are times where I'm like, woo, the universe, I don't know where you're going with this one, but I'm gonna <laughs> I don't have I'm just gonna bench myself with this one. But but then there are times like, oh, I see the greater that see where that fits in the in the greater log yeah. of things. So but there are no accidents and you're standing you're, you're sitting right in front of a beautiful mirror that is that embodies exactly what we're talking about today. And of all my episodes, I offer a lot of episodes that um, that people can learn things and grow on things. But um, I really want to do an episode on um, family unconscious conditioning and behavior patterns that are that are unconsciously carried on from generation to generation to generation. And we need to Stop, assess our life, and figure out where did we learn these habits and behaviors and beliefs about some. Because when you sit down and do that, like you do with your your coaching with your your clients, you realize that most of the behaviors that you have unconsciously picked up through your upbringing, through society, through your religion, through your family, most of it's family um, environment you realize that's not even yours you're stealing other people's issues and carrying it on in your life and in your lifetime mm-hmm. so when you take that away when you take all that away and you realize you're just stealing somebody else's belief systems and conditioning and bad habits and their issues and just replaying it in your life then how much of your life are you really living like how much it is actually yours, yours that you're living? I agree. I had this great yeah. exercise I have in the
2: book that I share with people all the time on how to let go of things. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like I talk about happy boosters, happy busters. There's a whole bunch of things in there, but the one thing, happy busters to me, after anyone that's been through trauma or abuse or anything is the guilt, the shame, the fear, the um, anxiety and the mm-hmm. anger okay and I teach this exercise and it's exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. it's I tell them to envision balloons and fill them up with their anger their hate their mm-hmm. their behavior they don't like or something that they do that's just like their mother or their dad right, right. <laughs> and I say okay now take that balloon and let it go or burst it with a pin. I don't care how you do it but you need to understand Is it yours to carry? I ask these questions a lot with my clients and people in the book. I say, you know, you're so anxious or worried about this or whatever it is. And I'm like, is it yours to be worried about? Or is it someone else's? Is that your sister's worry or your mom's Mm -hmm. or your -hmm. boss's or, you know, and I realize we even have children and we worry about everything with them, but sometimes their worries aren't our worries, to be honest. It's their challenge journey. Yeah, it's it's their a journey. journey. Yeah, yeah, and I try to explain that to people to let them know. But that just came to my mind, and I thought I've never even thought about using it for habits or behaviors as much as you know. I touched on it, but not to the level you're talking about in a family, you know, of how to let those things. Maybe that's go. your next book. Yeah, maybe.
1: I <laughs> could. <laughs> that's going to be a good one too. Next book on that one because. um, Talk about busting people's um, games that they play with themselves. Uh, but okay, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, because I mean, how many
2: times does our mind get in the way?
1: Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many stories are we playing in our lives? That's not even our stories. I mean, how many people are taking on um, their parents' ambitions? It's not even their ambition because they never picked out their own ambitions. Or yes. marrying the person that their parents want them to marry because they want, um, you know, love from their parents and acceptance, and then it doesn't work out. Or, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on these unconscious behavior patterns that we pick up from our upbringing that really aren't even ours. And then we find out so much later that we'd never really wanted it in the first place. And we're like yeah. going through a soul searching of where, who am I, you know? Yeah. So, you know, but oh that's goodness. fine. That's your, that's your journey, but we can condense that journey. That, that that struggle a little bit more. So it's all the good, you fill your life with all the good stuff and just condense exactly. the suffering much less. <laughs> let's get to that fifth dimension.
2: Let's, let's quit yeah, let's, living in the trauma and the stuff. Let's get, let's, yeah. you know, let's move ahead and move above that and yeah. start let's living a, in our wholeness and our, our, our oneness with everything, you know, that's exactly. the way I look at it.
1: I love that I love that so for young children so how can parents and adults in their family give them talk tracks and emotional intelligence to protect themselves from sexual and physical abuse for young children because a lot of this happened when they're young and they don't have the confidence and the words to say in those situations so for people hearing this what are some things that they can use right now? Going I'm gonna
2: tell I'm gonna be very blunt because a lot of therapists will not agree with me, but I'm going to tell you how I raised my daughter because sure. I feared for her so much. Um, the best I think we can do as parents is educate our children. Um we have to l- help them understand their their personal space, mm-hmm. their bodies. Um what their rights are is just little people. I don't, you know, children are just little us. They're not, you know, anything else. Right. And I think the other part of that is also giving them a voice. It's the title of the book. We have to give children a voice. Yeah. Cause
1: they don't have a voice. They don't. When they have a
2: voice. No, we take it away from them from the time they're young and start school. And so we have to give them back their voices. We have to listen and we have to respect them and teach them mutual respect for us. Because with all those little things I just mentioned comes truth and they will voice their opinion. My daughter never hesitated once to Mm -hmm. tell me if she didn't like someone, if someone made her feel uncomfortable, if Mm -hmm. she just, and I would be like that's okay. Listen to your gut, listen to your instinct. Cause this is something we have lost in our society. I think too much is I knew as a child, I know as an adult, when I meet people, Mm. if there's someone that's good for me or not, I'm not saying they're horrible person. I'm just saying, are they good for me or not? Right. And children have that instinct even more than we do. And we need to listen to it. We need to validate it. We need to let them accept it. And we need to quit telling them, no, they don't feel that. Or no, Uncle John is a great guy. Or um, Cousin Drew is a good person. Maybe they're not. And maybe we just don't know it. Or And I don't mean that just to say, men. I'm a woman. So that's where I go. And I've been abused by men. But it can go vice versa. It can be Aunt Jane or you know, cousin Susie, I don't know. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I'm just saying they need their voices and we need to listen and respect their intuition, their voice. To me, that's the best you can do to save a child.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that really, really good points. I mean, yeah, I mean you have to give them talk tracks um so that that if, if they're in a situation they know what to say and they know how to handle themselves. They may never be in that situation and that's wonderful. But if ever they were in a situation or they had a friend who were in that situation, they can at least recall, oh, my mommy and daddy told, told me no touch, please. Yes. And that's what they say.
2: <laughs> well, and then the word no is powerful. I, even to this day, I teach grown women and some men hmm. the word no. Because somewhere along the way, that word was taken from us especially if you've been a victim and you have to regain your empowerment and things to be able to say no. And that's part of the voice is no, I'm not okay okay to be rejected for that. It's okay. Yeah. And and that comes with our children too. We have to teach them. My daughter has no problem telling somebody no.
1: Yeah. And being rejected for
2: it though. Disrespectful. That doesn't mean we're teaching them to be disrespectful. Exactly. We just have to teach them how to have that voice and say their part and and just be like, no, I'm not okay with that. No, you're too close to me. I don't like this or, you know, whatever it is they're feeling and no, And, you know, I think that's the most important part is giving our children voices and strength and empowerment. And, and the best way to teach them these things is we have to be that we have to say no, we have to stand up for ourselves, and we have to be respectful and respectful to them, and respectful to others, mm-hmm. and demand respect in return. Yeah. And when we the children see this, they will mirror this, and they realize that this is proper and healthy behavior. So right, right. This, that's how I look at it. And how that's I really
1: it. good. You know, actually, I want to show you something because I um I make these early on when my daughters started talking at like one. I made these flashcards. To remind her, put I put it on the time out wall um, and so she sits there when she's on time out and she looks at these flashcards and she's been looking at it since she was one and they're very, very simple and my son that's, he uses the same time out wall and he looks at them um, very, very simply and um, they are talk tracks but they're, they're so familiar and they, they can look at the picture and see the talk tracks just to kind of educate them on it. And it's funny. Um, they actually say some of it back to me. So let me let me let me uh, go and grab them really quick. Okay. Okay, so um, we're like in the same wavelength, you and I, <laughs> Manette. So <laughs> I have a right now I have a six year old and a two year old. And, you know, sometimes they don't always remember everything. So I um, made these flashcards. And Anybody could do it. You just get images that you like, put them together, go into canva.com, make these little flashcards, print them out, laminate them, and stick them on the wall. Preferably the timeout wall. But this, <laughs> but this one, this one is, is one. Okay. Oh, uh huh. And this one is, um, don't oh, touch me. Cute. Raise your voice what? if unsafe touch occurs. And it oh, just I just have like pictures. This. Yeah. And the, and this cartoon so they can look and so they sit there and they study it um, and everything else so they know and um, here's another one is for child safety. Say no to bad touch learn good touch and don't touch me never be afraid to chat to shout and say don't touch me and it has a picture so they know what what to do the. um. You know, don't touch oh, me. And then pictures of go tell an adult, go tell an adult. Come here. come here. Yes. So, oh, you that's know- another thing that I was
2: going to tell you, because I've kind of started a children's book. I haven't published it or done the artwork yet, but I've written parts of it. And it's a story about a little girl that was abused, of course. And, and it's her journey of trying to tell the truth and find her mm-hmm. voice. Mm -hmm. And trying to tell people, and and I always, this this is another big one that I love to stress to children that I feel like are in dangerous situations that, or any child, I guess, really. But Mm -hmm. it's like, go tell someone, and if they don't listen, tell someone else. And if they don't listen, tell someone else until someone hears you. And that's very important, especially, I think, children in high-risk situations even more so. Right. Um, they need to know that, no, you keep speaking until someone listens and acknowledges.
1: Exactly. Um, here's, a, here's another one. Um, and this actually, I, um, <laughs> I put the hands and the no-no hands and the no-no Oh, spots, yeah. And boy that and girl. so good. In the swimsuit spots. So, uh-huh. and it says, uh, no touch, please yes i like so, that no like no touch that. no touch please so that's that's and then you know i i have other um flashcards because you know I, i'm that's lazy okay. i'm lazy parenting so um say thank you <laughs> 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 it's a standard manners i always go i always go use your manners and so they're like oh i'm gonna use the flashcards okay and uh yeah, you know please matters. don't forget to say please yeah. uh-huh. um make good choices (laughs) make good choices oh my gosh Uh,
2: these are great though because you're teaching your children respect and you're teaching um acceptance yes and and just I don't know just teaching them how to be really good human beings in interaction with other people which i think is so valuable and i think we yeah. can do more of that nowadays it's personally. the basics mm-hmm. it's a
1: foundation for for how you start uh here's yeah. one for stranger danger my daughter oh, says good. that should be that should be danger danger <laughs> 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 danger danger um and sometimes like when i'm in the mall or something and she runs off whatever just start talking to. Her. i'm like and she's she can immediately oh i remember the flash card oh you know oh, back. <laughs> yeah so she she's got this and my son is memorizing it as well um here's help each other and then just pictures of her and her cousins helping each other like um this one i, I said mm-hmm. it all the time listen and learn <laughs> listen and learn yes I say that all the time. This one, learn. you know, I just—I that's a I, good one. I, yeah, I, I say it all, the, and then I always say, I say, um, ask questions. I like that. Ask questions, and this I use all the time when somebody's being sassy or talking back or not being polite. Mm-hmm. Talk nice. Yes. Talk nice. Does your words have a smile? Because if it's not smiling, you're not talking nice. <laughs> use that all the time. Um, That's a good one. Um, of course, clean up, clean mm-hmm. up, um, share, share. That's good. Uh, let me see. Take turns, take turns. Uh, let me see. Oh, uh, give hugs, give hugs. <laughs> give hugs I like that. as my dog and um uh, will hurt my like daughter that. when she was baby and a baby mm-hmm. she's
2: precious they're adorable
1: yeah be patient and there's pictures of kids being patient be patient oh, that's and the good. last one is um look both ways Yeah, <laughs> that was really important. <laughs> Very important so um that pretty much covers a majority of um, the things, and and they they start mm-hmm. off with that on the timeout wall, and even in the bathroom when they go to the bathroom, there's there's two that's sitting right in front of them on the wall when they're in, when the potty says wash hands, flush toilet. So all yeah. my parenting is I just walk around go, saying two or three words, wash hands, flush <laughs> toilets, listen and learn. <laughs>
2: hey, you, you know, know what? But things. it's simpler. I think though sometimes. You- it can be too complicated, and that's a simplified way to get children to keep up as they mature and grow. Do you know what I mean? Because they'll I get don't. to where more conversations needed, but when they're really young, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I think talk uh-huh. nice. And sometimes my daughter, when, when my husband and I, when she thinks we're not talking nice, which we're talking nice, but sometimes, sometimes we may not completely agree, and, um, and so she'll pull the talk nice flash card off mm-hmm. the wall oh, and I'll give it to us. Too. <laughs> like like the timeout police. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, that's cool. That's funny. Oh, I love it. I love so, it. Anyway,
1: yeah, and 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 I I asked my my son because he's not quite talking and I say, um, which one is which one is um help each other and he'll point at it because he knows the pictures. Right. And so they know which one is what, you know, which one is no touch please. You know, they know what it is. Yeah, Cuz he's how old. He's two. He's how old? Two. Okay. Yeah. Two. Yeah. So for you for you young parents out there, I, you know, we're just giving you guys tools because yes. we know how busy it is to be a parent. We know how hard it is to be a parent these days. And we know there isn't very many resources, um, especially for parents and for young kids. And um, you know, they don't quite understand all the complications of talking in language. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, um, you know, make little flashcards or just use two, three three-word simple things. But my daughter has, um, she hasn't much anymore, but when she was first talking, like we would go to the pool and I would just kind of like grab it really quick to just make sure that her swim diaper was, um, was not full. And I would just grab and I would just look, not thinking, not thinking, but now she's talking and she actually used the flashcard against me. And she said, no touch, please. <laughs> you know that's
2: awesome though and, and you know i think another great one I, I don't know about you but i one thing i think that went a long way with me and my daughter and me and my daughter today who is 32 and i have a six month old grand baby um 31 excuse me not 32 yet Um, and one of the things we had this amazing, respectful relationship, even Mm -hmm. to this day, we've been Mm -hmm. through a lot. And the one thing I think I did from the time she was really small, and this is great for you parents out there listening is get Mm -hmm. on your child's level. Don't stand over them and don't preach to them from across. Yeah. Across the, you know, a table or set with them close to them, touch them and get, you know, hold their hands or, or just, you know, set your hand on their knee or something and, and really get eye level like you were doing and, and right. talk to them on their level. And, and right. this is another big thing that I think is so important is let your children know that you're human, just like them. And you are going to make mistakes too. Yeah. We're, we're none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. we're all human. We're going to mess up. We're going to do good. We're going to make mistakes. And I think it's so important for children to understand that too, because then they learn that they're not perfect either. And they're mm-hmm. going to make mistakes Yeah, and it's okay. It's part of growing and learning and advancing. Exactly. And I, I do feel that that's really, really important with your ch- children, get on their level. I don't know you're human. Tell, admit when you've messed up. Apologize for your mistakes. Teach them how to apologize for their mistakes. It's it's a just a great thing, and that all comes right. with what
1: I call it boils down to mutual respect. Right, right. And we can and and we can you know we are giving parents these tools that they can use when the the kids are young, or and then when they're you know become mm-hmm. a, a preteen or a teenager, we're going to have those conversations. Um, a little bit more adult conversations and, you know, on and on as they develop into um, young adults and beyond when they become parents of themselves and they go, I remember how mom and dad talked to yeah. me about this. I'll talk to this about this at their level. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> so, and as grow, I'm going to give you some insight here, guys. I know. And, and I'm going to give you insight. You know, as a mom that has raised um, two children, I'm going to tell you that the more respect and that foundation when they're young at the age you're doing with the flashcards and the communication, that pays off tenfold when they're a teenager. I'm just being honest, it does. Because if you develop that respect and that communication skills and those, which I talk about in my book, how important it is to communicate and that Mm -hmm. mutual respect and boundaries. When you do that as a young child, they will as they grow, you will continue to hold on to that. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to understand that you want their respect, but that means that they're owed, um, your respect. Mm -hmm. So it goes both ways. We can't just be these, for lack of a better word, I just don't, a power hungry parent that's like dominating. That's abuse guys. Manipulation control and domination are abuse.
1: Yeah. And so, what kind of people do they attract into the life when that's what they learn is how to exist? In exactly. That type what do you think they're going to go
2: out and do? Your daughters are going to go out and find abusive men, and your sons are going to go out and maybe abuse a daughter, or vice versa. I'm not going to try to label yeah. it one way or another. That goes back um, to our earlier
1: discussion about unconscious conditioning. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask mm-hmm. you this you know, most sexual um, child abuse is done within the family network for the most part. How can someone get help if they begin to have curiosity for this type of deviant urgings that can cause lifetime of trauma for someone? Both sides.
2: I will be honest. I think a lot of that comes from, let's just be honest, the children that are having those thoughts and feelings have been abused or Mm. witnessed abuse. Right. This is the truth of it. Uh, the average child out there, unless there's just something off, which is very unlikely, like 1% or less than 1%, um, will they have these kinds of things as much? Um, Mm. I mean, I realize we get to adolescence and there's a whole other thing there. And that's something for maybe a child psychologist. But when it comes to the most of these children that are going down that path, it's because they've witnessed it or it's happened to them. So okay. unconsciously
1: doing it.
2: Yes. And so what we have to do is that's where the mm-hmm. thing of having the voice to tell people what's happened to them so that you can get them the help they need and the guidance mm-hmm. so that they know how to deal with it. I, I'll share a personal story with everyone because yeah. this might really help people understand. Because if you have been abused, you are going to have those urges. Okay. It's going to happen to you if you've been through. And when I say that, I'm talking about sexual abuse, okay, or, you know, sexual molestation or something. Um, I have a brother that is 11 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. And um, I was very hands-on sister helping my mom because we had a ranch and things like that. And I remember the day that I went to change his diaper as a little boy, and it entered my mind to do something inappropriate. It entered Mm -hmm. my mind. It scared me because of the person I am. And I jumped back, you know, I threw the diaper on, jumped back against the wall, let him crawl away and just bawled for an hour because I was so disgusted with myself. But I just want people to understand that those urges are real and they're natural. If you've had things happen to you as a child, you know, I was what, 12 maybe when it, you know, that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's horrible because then you have the guilt and the shame and all those other things I talk about, because I, I can't tell you how long I felt shameful and guilty. And then I didn't want to change the stopper because I was scared. And, you know, I was just, it's all these things. Mm. If someone had been helping me or I'd had someone to talk to, I probably mm. could have worked through the process and understood that, okay, this is because of what happened to you. And it would have made perfect sense to me right but for me it was just scary and horrifying because my childhood abuser my cousin that was older than me he was abused by another cousin from another mm-hmm. side of the family uh-huh. so it's it's like we talk about it. it's contagious it's like these contagious viruses or diseases yeah that penetrate families yeah and you know I've when I wrote the book, I actually talked to him about it, you know, and told him I was writing the book and he was in it and everything. And mm-hmm. it just kind of said, so what happened to you? And he just started crying and was like, nobody's ever asked me. And he said, mm-hmm. yeah, it happened to me. And then I did it to you. And I was like, yeah, so we're all victims, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's the way it works. It's, it's the a psycho. It.
1: It's, it's the, it's the unconscious cycle of bad behavior that people pick up and um, you know we can stop that everybody can stop that by having these coping skills learning these these tools so they can understand recognize it address it and not carry it forward Um, you know because I had actually I did a hypnosis session I put on my on my YouTube channel under the hypnosis playlist they actually had a client who had um, child molestation from her uncle, and she told her mother um, about it, and he felt so guilty that he actually committed suicide because he couldn't live with what, once he realized that he was sick and he couldn't, you know, um, he couldn't live with it. And so it's been kind of a, a a dark cloud in the family for a long time, and they've healed and they've moved on, but not to... Um, you know, label the person, the perpetrator in the family that does this to somebody in the family, they are also, like you said, likely picked it up from bad behavior from somebody else. So they they were either a victim
2: or they witnessed it. That's usually the two things that happen. Which Um, make them a victim of
1: witnessing too.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It's just a different form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So so everybody just needs a little...
1: Yeah. So everybody, if you, if you're going through it, if you witness it, if you know somebody who's going through it, if you know somebody who's witnessing it, no one is, is judging or anything else. Just get help. Yeah. Just get help so you can stop it from getting further worse than it has to be. Learn the lesson early, recognize, identify, and then rectify so that you can yes. get on to the good stuff. We want to get to the good yeah. stuff in your yeah, life. Create the 5 exactly. D and stop living in the 3D trauma. So yeah. learn from the 3D stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. so basic. You know, let, let me, me ask you something else. Let me ask you something else. Um, I like that you also offer coaching and help for people who also on the other side of the spectrum um, are the perpetrator of sexual child abuse as well so that they can learn to stop it
2: yeah I don't really work with um sorry to clarify I don't work with perpetrators very very often I'll, do you I'll refer them to, to somebody, somebody else
1: do you refer yes them? I
2: refer to people that specialize in that mm-hmm. area I work mostly with victims okay. I do my most of my clientele are women mm-hmm. I do retreats and workshops and um some one-on-one and um I'm coming up with some video workshops and mm-hmm. things you know I'm working on some things like that but yeah I don't want to misrepresent but no I don't work with them but I'm very comfortable talking to them it doesn't mm. bother me to talk to someone that has been a perpetrator or a victim before that um and give them maybe a direction to go, there uh, you go. I don't yeah. feel that I don't I don't feel that I'm the best person to probably attack that one, sorry.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. it's okay. We,
1: we, wanna, we wanna make some clarification on it too. So like in case you have, yeah. some, if, in case you have somebody who is the victim of this yes. um, abuse and they also have, let's say it's, it's a family member that they love that they did this to them. And they also yes. want to give guidance or give direction for them to get help you would refer them to, um, appropriate person as well. Okay. That's that's good. Yes. I would refer them
2: to the appropriate people. And I actually have worked with families a little bit really, here and there that have been through this in their family unit with some serious abuse of different kinds Mm -hmm. and tried to just help get them maybe going in a right direction and maybe help them figure out which family members maybe need certain kinds of help. Right. I've worked with a few families throughout the years. Um, yeah, but I usually end up trying to just help people get started, and then help yeah. them
1: move on. It's a to process. The next thing. That's yeah. That's
2: more where my role ends up a lot of
1: times.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's it's definitely a process. And remember, just like you had to do, it doesn't happen overnight. You undid four generations of yes sexual child abuse and abuse and this type of behavior. Four generations. It's really you don't. Undo that overnight, but you can get started in one night. So, yes. you know, yes, you can. <laughs> um, okay, so there is a popular conspiracy about mm-hmm. child sex ring, which feeds deep state cabal. Okay, now the slogan, Save the Children, is actually a hijacked name from a legitimate charity. And I've spoken to some people who work for children's nonprofit groups who say that the sensationalizing of this conspiracy actually detracts from real nonprofits. They would rather people support actual nonprofits that are working with limited resources to address human trafficking and underage prostitution, especially in third world countries um, where it is rampant. So there is a legitimate nonprofit agencies and police who work to seek out the mafia and consumers that perpetuate this type of exploitation. So um, it does happen, this type of exploitation. What What are some constructive ways for people to actually get involved in solving human trafficking and underage prostitution? So,
2: I really think, um, you know, um, I'm not an expert on all of that. But the, the fact is, I think for any of us, I don't care who you are if you're someone that knows someone that's been abused or maybe you know someone that's been trafficked or maybe you have yourself or a family member is in today's society I think the best thing any of us can do is just get involved hmm. and you can get involved in different ways you can speak out you can support these organizations that are doing the work like you're
1: talking about the ones that and they're really very are underfunded the out there they're underfunded exactly. they don't have they a lot of money. volunteers, and volunteers. Exactly. Maybe
2: yeah just yeah. maybe you know support them maybe just call them and see what you can do what can you offer to the table um it's it's similar to what i did here where i live in colorado um mm-hmm. i was teaching a lot of before COVID's kind of messed things up but i would teach these classes at this organization here that helped women get back on their feet that were in abusive situations and a few men um but they they i'd teach classes and hell. help that was my way and I'd give a little money too but you can do that with the trafficking you could do that with other organizations locally where you live search out what's going on where you are and yeah start contributing however you can contribute I don't know what that is maybe that's you know in some cases that could be as simple I hate to say this this could be a young mom that needs diapers for her child or, or or needs child care of some sort maybe they like the place I had they had a child care facility and people would volunteer to help out there yeah. um, while these women took classes so they could improve their lives you know there's so many things but there's some great organizations out there guys that are real and they're there and they're doing things yeah I mean we talked I think before the program you know Maybe you're a retired police officer or something. Yep. Maybe you can contribute a little time or your knowledge to teach others how to do, do what you know or something. Yep. Um, there's just so many ways to help. It's just us all finding what that is and yeah. contributing however we can.
1: And it's um, not really hard to do. I mean, if, if, um, if it is a topic uh, underage prostitution, um, human trafficking uh, and you know, children human trafficking, all of that if that is something that you really really attracted to and you're so passionate about it it doesn't take very long to find organizations in your local area in which you can call and see how can you help
2: yeah just google
0: <laughs> google is a wonderful or thing
2: or whatever you use just yeah. you know look for it there's so many in so many cities everywhere there's yeah. th- all over um yeah so just search out and see what you can do and if some of it's too hard for you i realize child trafficking and sex trafficking is hard it's it's a hard reality out there Mm -hmm. that's real wow and people don't even want to admit it's real but it's a real thing happening guys all over and and it's it's horrific so maybe you don't have the stomach for the hard part but maybe you can do something in another way. Just find yeah. what you can do. That's yeah. my suggestion.
1: And the easiest thing to do is to just Google these organizations that already exist and they're actually working with real issues that mm-hmm. they've found. Yeah. And um, you can ask them what they can do to help because maybe they'll need somebody to help with rehabilitating the the people that they have you know, found is um is coming out of out of of these these incidents or you know whatever there's so many different ways you can call and they don't have very many volunteers they don't have a lot of resources um and since there seems to be a lot of people who's really interested in child prostitution and human trafficking as an issue use that energy to help these nonprofits that are actually looking to make that connection with those people So that's a really good advice.
2: Or, you know, another thing we
1: could do with,
2: it is, and and with all the social media out there, share, look up and find the good organizations and share their hashtags and their websites and say, if you want to help, if you want to do something, then contact these people and figure out what you can do. I mean, you know, with social media, we can share things unbelievably. If you're passionate about it and you want to do something, then you may you, you helping may get 10, 20, 100 people helping, you right.
1: know right. right. Um, yeah, so so that there that's a really good way to answer that question right. for those who are really interested in ending human trafficking and underage prostitution. So um, there's lots of ways to get involved. And remember, you don't have to save the world. There's lots of different things that you can be involved in. Um, if you really called mm-hmm. for something, like you are really called for something, then that is for you. But it doesn't make you a bad person if you don't get involved in this
0: profit and
1: this nonprofit and this cause and this cause. There's so many, whatever you're really drawn to. But this seems to be one that some people are really, really drawn to. So we're just giving you guys, like we'll be talking tools and resources. We're giving you resources to take that passion and put it into actual nonprofits that are are actually um, working to eradicate this problem that they are finding right yeah so let me so ask important. You, yes let me ask you this about coping skills so what are some coping skills that p- that parents can utilize when t- life gets tough and they may be prone to lashing out on their children or their loved ones so let's give some parents some coping um, some coping skills or just adults
2: <laughs> i think The best advice I could give any parent anywhere, and I used to teach this in my classes all the time, because they would say, I just, I'm losing my mind, you know, or you know how it is, you got young children, there's times you're just losing it, they're sick, you don't get sleep, they don't get sleep. You know, life is just crazy. So Mm -hmm. my best advice, and I know this sounds crazy to some people, but this is my best advice ever, is it gets too much. Okay, let's just say you've got an Mm -hmm. infant. Okay. And they've been sick and you're just losing it.
1: Mm -hmm. You still got to get to go to work next day. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Make sure the Mm -hmm. diapers changed, you know, make sure they're fed, lay them in the crib and walk away when it's too much. Walk away is my Mm -hmm. advice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Make sure they're safe, but then take a break. And this goes on until they're grown. I'm just going to say the same concept, but you just do it different ways. You know, if you have a toddler and yes, we do not want to use TVs and stuff as babysitters, but when you're having almost a meltdown, guess what? Give the child their favorite little show, walk away, take, take 15, 30 minutes for yourself and get your composure because if you're listening to this, maybe you've been through stuff too, and now maybe you're raising children and maybe they've been through something. Mm -hmm. It's like I said, other, we're all human. We're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And and we have to give ourselves a break sometime. That's in one of my things on, I teach in the book is like a seven step process. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. give yourself a break. Okay. (laughs) We're not going to do it right. I mean, I've had one mom that said, is it terrible that when my child starts losing it, then I I give them like the TV thing or whatever. And I go hide in the closet. I said, no, it's not terrible at all. You need five minutes sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can't push yourself, you know, pressure breaks pipes and pressure breaks people. Um, exactly. Keep pushing. You keep exactly. pushing yourself and pushing yourself and, 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 you know, I, life is going to happen. You might be going through a divorce. You might be going through some work changes you might be going through some financial issues you know the list goes on and on and um right. you don't intend on hurting the people that you love but sometimes yeah. all that pressure and then something comes up and now you're lashing out on them and mm-hmm. how many times do you you know you feel bad after like i really handled that the really the wrong way oh. i could handle it differently just so when you're in so, the heat so of that mistaken. moment mm-hmm. these are some suggestions Yes,
2: and, and also too, guys, if you do find yourself lashing out, like you just lose your crap, okay, let's just be honest, we've all done it, uh-huh, if you find yeah. yourself doing it, as soon as you can, just stop, you don't have yeah. to finish the sentence, just stop, yeah. I don't care if it's mid-sentence, stop, yeah. get your composure, mm-hmm. and then do the right thing, if you were inappropriate, apologize i don't care if that child is two foot tall or six foot tall get your crap together and take responsibility for your actions and apologize yeah because you need to understand that everything you do and how you react with your children and in your relationships teaches everyone around you how to act
1: and you teach them how to behave Exactly. So if you
2: can stop yourself and then you can correct your behavior or handle it in an appropriate way, what have you taught them? Something amazing. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So that would be my advice. That's what I used to do. Even if I was getting upset, I just stopped myself. And then I would just be like, give me five minutes. Then I would probably sit down, have a discussion and apologize for my behavior and let them know that that was not the appropriate behavior and you yeah. don't need to bribe them or pay them off for your bad behavior either by the way right. you can yeah. just be like okay that was not appropriate I will
1: work really hard to never do that again
2: and try not to do it again for goodness sakes don't keep repeating it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so. yeah that's true that's true that's true that's true yeah, my daughter reminds me sometimes too. Use your manners.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we all get in the heat of the moment and forget our manners. You know, we all have yeah. done it. We're we're not imperfect. You know, yeah, we are imperfect. I mean, you know, we're just we're not going to do it. We're we're going to mess up. Break. Yeah, give some, I think.
1: But, that's at just exactly.
2: yeah. but at least you recognize Take responsibility. Exactly. But at least you recognize it. And recognize it
1: and change it. That's the key. Recognize it and change it, and there. You can exactly. Google op- ways to deal with the same. See how Google has a really wonderful resource to give parents and people ways to cope with things like, oh, I'm struggling yeah. with this, ways to cope with that. And then they'll give you like a list of things. So you can kind of go through, oh, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this. The so next time i try this. Exactly.
0: You
2: know, so. But I think the hardest thing, too, for me, I think, and all of us, if you're a parent that has survived abuse or something and you're trying to raise your children, it is hard. You, you're yeah. constantly questioning, you worry a lot, you you feel guilty for everything that's happened to you and everything you've done and shameful. I mean, you carry yeah. all those burdens. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is just just remember it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're not going to do it right all the time. I mean, I'm not a perfect parent either. I never, I did, I messed up many times. I tell yeah. my daughter, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just can't even believe I got that done. <laughs> but it's okay to mess up. <laughs> it's okay to mess up. It's okay to make mistakes, and, and that's what makes us grow and expand and evolve. Is growing and learning from our mistakes, improving right. and changing and adapting. And and learning, that's what yeah. makes us go from the third dimension to the fifth. Those that's same right. things. I mean, yeah. it's no different than
1: parenting. It is. We pair ourselves up to the fifth dimension of of awareness. <laughs> I love exactly. That. Okay. Exactly. Well, let me ask. Let's ask a dating question. So, you know, sure. why is you know why is the bad boy bad boy, or the damsel in distress oh so attractive to many people who are dating?
2: You know, I think a lot of it has to do with their history. Uh, It it usually has to do with whatever they've experienced before that. So Mm -hmm. if you're the damsel in distress, let's just say, usually that's because your mother played that role, your grandmother, your auntie, your, maybe you've already played that role as a child to get attention Mm -hmm. because you were Mm -hmm. being manipulated or abused or something. That's, that's what I think it goes on more than not. Mm-hmm. bad boy the same thing it's just that you're doing this thing of where oh my dad played the bad boy I'm gonna play the bad boy it worked my uncle my grandfather um mm-hmm. people people do things that work for them that's why do, why people that sometimes after they've been abused play the victim role the rest of their life it, they that's- get something from it they get some kind of satisfaction or is that is that the way that they've
1: learned is that the way they learn that that's how they get love so they just constantly play that role or look for that role
2: exactly to them that's their quote version of love it's not what i would consider love but to them it fits in that category same thing with the bad boy and the damsel you know she learns that if i do this they'll take care of me or i'll get what i want you know it's the crying wolf a little you know, the bad yeah, boy yeah. learns that, oh, if I'm tough and I do this, then I'll intimidate them and I'll get what I want. It's just different behaviors. But uh-huh, that's. Uh-huh. The, the so what the-
1: happened? Yeah, but but, but you, you counsel a lot of women that go through um, these types of abusive relationships. What happens when the bad boy turns into the abusive husband? It's to sell the bad boy. You wanted the bad boy. just kind well, of applies to the-, the abusive husband. Yeah, no, well...
2: Yeah, because that's when the woman has to understand her own self-worth and understand her own self-respect. Because my theory is, is that how you break the cycle of abuse is you create your own self-love, your self-respect, which creates self-worth, self-value. Then guess what? You won't accept that bad boy. You won't even give him the look because you see red flag and you know you're worth more than that.
1: You don't want that type of relationship. No, exactly. You've already learned the lesson. You, mm-hmm. you learned you the lesson. Learn. What, you learned the lesson without even having to go through the lesson. Exactly. Just, what we talked about earlier, you shorted your suffering.
2: Exactly, <laughs> and that's what the key is, and I, that's what I've come to the solution of is it's all about self value, self respect, self empowerment. Mm-hmm. Because once you give someone that, I don't care who you are. You can give a child that, a woman, a man, a mother, a grandmother, a grandfather. I don't care who it is. They will not accept those bad behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened to me. Once I understood and I started valuing myself and valuing my worth and realizing I'm worth more than being abused and walked on and treated like crap. Mm-hmm. I didn't accept those behaviors anymore from anybody even to yeah. this day I do not accept those behaviors right from anyone. even
1: anyone. even though it it took almost four generations of carried on unconscious conditioning and you picked it up mm-hmm. you know that that's how it trans, transpired now it, the interesting thing about the damsel in distress role that the damsel uh-huh. oh, in distress is um for well, the damsel in distress that and the, the constant victimhood of the damsel is that eventually the you get married to the guy and then the guy or your spouse is like i need you to help yourself out <laughs> i need you to help me out i need you to you know i need you to pitch in i can't always be there to save you and I, I need a, a partner in life mm-hmm. okay and then you gotta all of a sudden." unlearn the damsel victim save me all the time role so it doesn't right. always you know life will challenge your your concept of it what will. works for you
2: what you feel you deserve you will receive hmm. so in, get what, you are, mess, are, huh? get what, what you, you are huh what you are is what yes exactly <laughs> it's like what you eat that's what you are what you are is what you are you know what you feel you deserve is what you will receive you all those things you are. are the same Exactly. And so for me, what I would say is there's two things that have to happen in that relationship. One, the male part in this case has to step up and say, no, he's got to quit picking her up every time she falls and saving her. Mm -hmm. He's got to step back and let her stand on her own two feet. Mm -hmm. She has to take responsibility for her emotions and her actions. Mm. And once she takes responsibility, she'll start being stronger, but she has to step up and take responsibility and not everyone will. So people need to understand in relationships that not everybody's going to play their role the way you want them to play it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not
2: Mm -hmm. everybody's on the same journey. We're yeah. all on different journeys and sometimes our journeys can come together and they can commingle and you can grow with each other.
1: Right.
2: Sometimes you can come together and one grows and one's left behind like mm. in the race. Yeah. I mean, I mean it depends on the individual. I mean both individuals have to be willing to work at it and both individuals have to be able to face the reality of their situation. If you're not willing to face the truth, you're not going to get anywhere. I talk about that a lot in the book. You gotta, you gotta face the truth of your reality, whatever that is, wherever you are. Yeah. yeah. Only then can you do something about it.
1: Well, that you know, I mean, that's that's really how you heal these unconscious wounds and learn mm-hmm. to attract a healthy, loving relationship is by doing what you've been saying. Yeah. So it is. and and dating is so eye-opening what you are attracted to and what you're not attracted to and if you're getting something that you're consistently and you don't like it you may have to take a step back and assess what is it that you keep liking and attracting is it something that comes from your family history that you unconsciously picked up like you've Mm -hmm. been saying this whole time um oftentimes it is if we So
2: hmm. what do you think we pick? We, the men pick their mothers or grandmothers, the Mm -hmm. women pick their dads, their uncles or their grandfathers. Or if if they
1: don't like it, they choose to pick the opposite. We're familiar. (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah. In some cases, yes, we'll go extreme opposite Mm -hmm. in some cases, but a lot of times we go with what's familiar we go with our norm. I always say, you know, that's what happens when women and men get in these abusive relationships. It's their norm. It's what they've always known. So they have to break their norm and, and, and do something different. So yeah, yeah, you're right. You're, you're right on it. It's, 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 you have to become self-aware of why are you attracted to that person? It's the same person in different clothing, different hairstyle. Yeah. It's the same person over and over. What yeah. is it in that person you're so attracted to, and where does that lead back to your past? And yeah, where did you learn it? Like-
1: where did you learn it? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, or did you
1: think that became okay? You know, yeah, that's, maybe that's, not okay. Yeah. Well, that's the beginnings in Buddhism. They call that that's the beginnings of becoming a Buddha is to be self-aware of how you create your reality yes you know and we're all energy in these avatars in these roles that we play but we can have the soldier and how we want to so we have to be aware of why do you attract and create your world the way you do Um, and it comes down to you know these these patterns of thought and feelings that we create Um, and where does that come from and if it doesn't serve you learn something new it go (laughs) that's right and do that as well okay so in In buddhism right Mm -hmm. and so in buddhism we also have this concept of a dual nature to compassion called self-compassion which is compassion for others as well as compassion for For yourself however there isn't a formal word for self-compassion in english okay i looked it up so how can people learn self-compassion
2: it's a good one. Um, that's the pretty much the first big chapter of learning in my book. Once you get past the story of the basics, then it comes into this. Yeah. And I try to help people start learning that through um, self-awareness, like mm. you were talking about. I do, uh, I teach people mirror exercises to where they look in the mirror and they really truly look at themselves and they don't just look at their faults. They look at their qualities, their, what makes them unique and special because that's that self-care thing I think is, is learning to care for yourself. I always tell people I've, I've done this for years in shop workshops and things is I'm like, do you treat yourself as well as you treat your sister, your best friend, Mm -hmm. your mother? Mm -hmm. Most women don't, Mm -hmm. they don't. I have them look in mirrors and tell themselves they love themselves, you know, like in first person, like I, I, I can do it because I did it years ago. you know, Manette, I love you. I love I love mm-hmm. the person you are and what you do. And it's teaching people to embrace that part of them, because I do think we have a problem in our culture. I think you were so on something in that Buddhist part of that. yeah, that is it's not just about how we treat others, it's how we treat ourselves. Because how we treat ourselves is a reflection of how we feel about others. And I think it's so important to learn how to do that. How to, and it's not selfish. It's not, I'm not talking about becoming a narcissist here. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about just learning to appreciate your qualities, your personal greatness, and how you fit into this beautiful planet and this humanity and everything else. And yeah. everybody has amazing qualities of some kind. They just need to look inside and see what they are, or look outside and see what they are, whatever it is for them. Right. And I think that's the big thing right there. That's what I think you're talking about. And you can yeah. tell me if I'm on it or no, not. No, you're. But.
1: That's true. Self compassion is so critical in, in the West. We don't even have a word for self compassion in the English, English language. And that's pretty telling right there. Um, you know, Siddhartha Gautama, the first Buddha, he had this uh, wonderful saying that uh, many monks and nuns will, will repeat, and it's, it is this, that you yourself deserve your love and compassion more than anybody else in the universe.
2: I agree.
1: Yeah. A
2: thousand percent. Yeah. I, I, I talk about that all the time. That, yeah. And I call it self-love. In the book, Mm -hmm. I say there's self-acceptance, self-love and self-respect. And I I think it fits into the self-love of
1: what you're
2: speaking of. And it's about loving yourself. And when I say love yourself, I'm talking about from the inside out because most people that have been through trauma and abuse, they're missing that part. There's usually a vacancy somewhere in their heart, their soul, whatever you want to call that part of them. And we have to learn to fill that back up with mm-hmm. love, acceptance, and things like that. And and you have to learn how to go inside and and just appreciate the human being you are, the spirit you are, being here and existing yeah. in this life. And and I think that's it. And what is your journey, and why are you doing it, and why? You know, I often think, why do so many people suffer, and why do so many people go through trauma and things? There's always a lesson
1: to be yeah. learned.
2: There's always something to grow and expand from. Yeah. So, are you are you getting it while you're here? Are you expanding? Are you learning? Are you growing? You know, to me, that's just as much of a part of it as the healing. It's 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 the healing. It's the recovery. is those right. things. So.
1: Well said. Well, that's a that's a wonderful takeaway and message for people to you know, take home with them. Um, you know, everybody, Manette actually offers classes, res- retreats and workshops and all the information of what she's offering um, can be found on her website, which is Manette, M-A-N-N-E-T-T-E morgan m-o-r-g-a-n.com so manette morgan.com is where you can get all her offerings and her books and workshops and retreats um also manette thank you for sharing your personal expertise in this very very common 3d problem um, that many people struggle to overcome so let's all overcome them learn from them shorten up that suffering time frame (laughs) so you can get to the good stuff like 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 this is the suffering in your life. It used to be this. It's like this now. The rest of your life is like this. It's just yeah.
2: We don't need this suffering. We don't no, we suffering. need this cut.
1: Condense it down yeah, to like exactly, and get the lesson, learn from it, and then spend mm-hmm. the rest of her life blowing her mind, going, "Wow, I that that was great. Oh, that's that's great too. Just just get to the five D and just you know get to the um, really good stuff."
2: Sore. Soar. Yeah. I I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, the greatest thing I have ever done for myself, just so people know, is to learn and grow and leave the 3D behind. You know, I, I definitely feel I live on a different place at this uh-huh. point in my life and I have for a long time. It's not something new for me. And it just gets easier, guys. I just anybody out there listening to what Vaughn has to offer and the things she talks about with. Uh, all these things it's so worth it to do the work you you can have these amazing lives that feel so fulfilled so joyful and the petty stuff won't bother you anymore Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. yeah the little things just just kind of float away they don't even matter because you're in such a different place and you feel so differently and I wish that for everyone out there in the world and everyone that's ever survived any kind of abuse or gone through things. I really, I wish them all, I want them to have that fulfillment and love and happiness that I somehow obtained. And I think mine was kind of random, but I got there somehow and it was an amazing thing. And I wouldn't it's change it for anything. I wouldn't change any of my life. Yeah. It is, it is. Well, and it's made me the person I am today. And I'm so grateful
1: yeah well that is really good to hear you know a lot of people you know kind of wonder why am i suffering why me oh why me this is so horrible but there's another <sighs> side to it and you can come out of it stronger um and better like you have so um you know life lessons everybody we can shorten them, <laughs> get yes. them get, yes get get the learning from early yes uh, so and, and
2: just, you know, grow and become the person you can. I was going to, oh, if you don't mind, I was going to show the cover of the book. So people, if they just want to look. Yeah, there you go. Finding your voice. Yeah. So if if you, you know, just to give you a visual, I'm a visual
1: person. So <laughs> well, it's a little know,
2: easier to catch when you see it.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I put all the links and everything in the description and it was so much fun. I could talk to you for quite some time, but... Um, you know thank you to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation until next time blessings blessings (laughs) thank you you're welcome
0: we hope you enjoyed this episode of merkaba chakras where we talk buddhism in the fifth dimension For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to Merkabachakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.